0: Section three of Idols of the King This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Idols of the King by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Section three. Gareth and Lynette Part two. So Gareth passed with joy, but as the cur plucked from the cur he fights with. Ere his cause be cooled by fighting, Follows, being named, His owner but remembers all, And growls remembering. So Sir Kay beside the door Muttered in scorn of Gareth, Whom he used to harry and hustle. Bound upon a quest with horse and arms, The King hath passed his time, My Scullion knave! Thralls to your work again, For an your fire be low, Ye kindle mine! will there be dawn and west and eve and east? Begone, my knave! Belike and like anow some old head-blow not heeded in his youth, so shook his wits they wander in his prime! Crazed! How the villain lifted up his voice, nor shamed to bawl himself a kitchen-knave! Tut! He was tame and meek anow with me, till peacocked up with Lancelot's noticing. Well! I will after my loud knave, and learn whether he know me for his master yet. Out of the smoke he came, and so my lance hold, by God's grace, he shall into the mire. Thence if the king awaken from his craze, into the smoke again. But Lancelot said, "Kay, wherefore wilt thou go against the king? For that did never he whereon ye rail, but ever meekly served the king in thee. Abide." Take counsel, for this lad is great and lusty, and knowing both of lance and sword. Tut, tell not me, said Kay. Ye are over-fine to mar stout knaves with foolish courtesies. Then mounted, on through silent faces rode down the slope city and out beyond the gate. But by the field of tourney lingering yet, muttered the damsel, Wherefore did the king scorn me? For were Sir Lancelot lacked, at least he might have yielded to me One of those who tilt for ladies' love and glory here, Rather than, O sweet heaven, O fie upon him, his kitchen-knave. To whom Sir Gareth drew, and were there none but few goodlier than he, Shining in arms, damsel, the quest is mine, lead and I follow. She thereat, as one that smells a foul fleshed agaric in the halt, and deems it carrion of some woodland thing, or shrew or weasel, nipped her slender nose with petulant thumb and finger, shrilling Hence, avoid thou smellest all of kitchen grease. And look who comes behind for there was Kay. Knowest thou not me thy master I am Kay, we lack thee by the hearth. And Gareth to him, Master no more, too well I know thee I, the most ungentle knight in Arthur's hall. Have at thee then, said Kay. They shocked, and Kay fell shoulder-slipped, and Gareth cried again, Lead, and I follow. And fast away she fled. But after sod and shingle ceased to fly behind her, and the heart of her good horse was nigh to burst with violence of the beat, perforce she stayed, and overtaken, spoke. What dost thou, Scullion, in my fellowship? Deemest thou that I accept thee aught the more, or love thee better, that by some device full cowardly, or by mere unhappiness, thou hast overthrown and slain thy master? Thou? Dishwasher washer and broach-turner, loon? To me thou smellest all of kitchen as before. Damsel, Sir Gareth answered gently, Say whate'er ye will, but whatsoe'er ye say I leave not till I finish this fair quest, Or die Therefore, Ay, wilt thou finish it? Sweet Lord, how like a noble knight he talks! The listening rogue hath caught the manner of it. But knave, anon thou shalt be met with knave, and then, by such a one that thou for all the kitchen brewest that was e'er supped shall not once dare to look him in the face. I shall assay, said Gareth with a smile that maddened her, and away she flashed again down the long avenues of a boundless wood, and Gareth following was again benaved. Sir Kitchen-knave, I have missed the only way where Arthur's men are set along the wood. The wood is nigh as full of thieves as leaves. If both be slain, I am rid of thee. But yet, Sir Scullion, canst thou use that spit of thine? Fight and thou canst. I have missed the only way." So till the dusk that followed Evensong rode on the two, reviler and reviled. Then, after one long slope was mounted, saw, bowl-shaped, through tops of many thousand pines, a gloomy gladed hollow slowly sink to westward. In the deeps whereof a mere, round as the red eye of an eagle-owl, under the half-dead sunset glared. And shouts ascended, and there brake a serving-man flying from out of the back wood, and crying, They have bound my lord to cast him in the mere! Then, Gareth, bound am I to right the wronged, but straitlier bound am I to bide with thee. And when the damsel spake contemptuously, lead, and I follow. Gareth cried again, follow, I lead. So down among the pines he plunged and there black-shadowed nigh the mere, and mid-thigh-deep in bulrushes and reed saw six tall men hailing a seventh along, a stone about his neck to drown him in it. Three with good blows he quieted, but three fled through the pines, and Gareth loosed the stone from off his neck, then in the mere beside tumbled it, oilily bubbled up the mere. Last, Gareth loosed his bonds, and on free feet set him a stalwart baron, Arthur's friend. Well that he came, or else these caitiff rogues had wrecked themselves on me. Good cause is theirs to hate me, for my wont hath ever been to catch my thief, and then, like vermin, here, drown him, and with a stone about his neck, and under this wan water, many of them lie rotting. But at night let go the stone, and rise, and flickering in a grimly light, dance on the mere. Good now, ye have saved a life worth somewhat as the cleanser of this wood, and fain would I reward thee worshipfully. What garden will ye? Gareth sharply spake. None, for the deed's sake have I done the deed, in uttermost obedience to the king. But wilt thou yield this damsel harbourage? Whereat the baron, saying, I well believe you be of Arthur's table. A light laugh broke from Lynette. Ay, truly of a truth, and in a sort being Arthur's kitchen knave. But deem not I accept thee aught the more, Scullion, for running sharply with thy spit down on a rout of craven foresters. A thresher with his flail had scattered them. Nay, for thou smellest of the kitchen still but an' this lord will yield us harbourage well." So she spake. A league beyond the wood, all in a full fair manner and a rich, his towers where that day a feast had been held in high hall, and many a viand left, and many a costly kate, received the three. And there they placed a peacock in his pride before the damsel, and the baron sat Gareth beside her, but at once she rose. It meseems that here is much discourtesy, setting this knave, Lord Baron, at my side. Hear me. This morn I stood in Arthur's hall, and prayed the king would grant me Lancelot to fight the brotherhood of day and night—the last a monster unsubduable of any save of him for whom I called. Suddenly bawls this frontless kitchen knave. The quest is mine, thy kitchen knave am I, and mighty through thy meats and drinks am I then arthur all at once gone mad replies go therefore and so gives the quest to him him here a villain fitter to stick swine than ride abroad redressing women's wrong or sit beside a noble gentlewoman then half ashamed and part amazed the lord now looked at one and now at other left the damsel by the peacock in his pride and seating gareth at another board sat down beside him ate. And then began. Friend, whether thou be kitchen-knave or not, or whether it be the maiden's fantasy, and whether she be mad, or else the king, or both or neither, or thyself be mad, I ask not, but thou strikest a strong stroke, for strong thou art, and goodly therewithal, and savour of my life. And therefore now, for here be mighty men to joust with, weigh whether thou wilt not with thy damsel back to crave again sir lancelot of the king thy pardon i but speak for thine avail the saviour of my life and gareth said full pardon but i follow up the quest despite of day and night and death and hell so when next morn the lord whose life he saved had some brief space Conveyed them on their way, and left them with God's speed, Sir Gareth spake, Lead, and I follow. Haughtily she replied, I fly no more, I allow thee for an hour. Lion and stout have isled together, knave, in time of flood. Nay furthermore, methinks, some ruth is mine for thee. Back wilt thou fool? For hard by here is one will overthrow and slay thee, Then will I to court again, and shame the king for only yielding me my champion from the ashes of his hearth." To whom Sir Gareth answered courteously, "'Say thou thy say, and I will do my deed. Allow me for mine hour, and thou wilt find my fortunes all as fair as hers who lay among the ashes, and wedded the king's son." Then to the shore of one of those long loops, Where through the serpent river coiled, they came. Rough thicketed were the banks and steep, The stream full, narrow. This a bridge of single arc took at a leap, And on the further side arose a silk pavilion, Gay with gold in streaks and rays, And all lent lily in hue, save that the dome was purple, And above crimson a slender banneret fluttering. And there before the lawless warrior paced unarmed, and calling, Damsel, is this he, the champion thou hast brought from Arthur's hall, For whom we let thee pass? Nay, nay, she answered, Sir Morningstar, The king in utter scorn of thee and thy much folly Hath sent thee here his kitchen-knave, and look to thyself. See that he fall not on thee suddenly, and slay thee unarmed. He is not knight, but knave. Then at his call, O daughters of the dawn, and servants of the morning star, approach, arm me! From out the silken curtain folds, barefooted and bareheaded, three fair girls in gilt and rosy raiment came. Their feet in dewy grasses glistened, and the hair all over glanced with dewdrop or with gem, like sparkles in the stone of Anturine. These armed him in blue arms, and gave a shield blue also, and thereon the morning star. And Gareth silent gazed upon the knight, who stood a moment ere his horse was brought, glorying, and in the stream beneath him shone inmingled with heaven's azure waveringly the gay pavilion and the naked feet, his arms, the rosy raiment, and the star. Then she that watched him, Wherefore stare ye so? thou shakest in thy fear. There yet is time. Flee down the valley before he get to horse. Who will cry shame? Thou art not knight, but knave." Said Gareth, Damsel, whether knave or knight, far leafer had I fight a score of times than hear thee so missay me and revile. Fair words were best for him who fights for thee. But truly foul are better, for they send that strength of anger through mine arms. I know that I shall overthrow him. And he that bore the star, when mounted, cried from o'er the bridge, A kitchen knave, and sent in scorn of me. Such fight not I, but answer scorn with scorn, for this were shame to do him further wrong than set him on his feet, and take his horse and arms, and so return him to the king. Come therefore, leave thy lady lightly, knave. Avoid. For it beseemeth not a knave to ride with such a lady. Dog, thou liest, I spring from loftier lineage than thine own. He spake, and all at fiery speed the two shocked on the central bridge, And either spear bent but not brake, and either knight at once, Hurled as a stone from out of a catapult, beyond his horse's crupper, And the bridge fell as if dead. But quickly rose and drew, and Gareth lashed so fiercely with his brand he drave his enemy backward down the bridge, the damsel crying, Well stricken, kitchen knave! till Gareth's shield was cloven, but one stroke laid him that clove it grovelling on the ground. Then cried the fallen, Take not my life, I yield! and Gareth, So this damsel ask it of me good. I accorded easily as a grace. She reddening, Insolent Scullion, I of thee? I bound to thee for any favour asked. Then he shall die. And Gareth there unlaced his helmet as to slay him, but she shrieked, Be not so hardy, Scullion, as to slay one nobler than thyself. Damsel thy charge is an abounding pleasure to me. Knight, thy life is thine at her command. Arise and quickly pass to Arthur's hall, And say his kitchen-knave hath sent thee. See thou crave his pardon for thy breaking of his laws. Myself, when I return, will plead for thee. Thy shield is mine. Farewell. And, damsel, thou lead, and I follow. And fast away she fled. Then when he came upon her spake, Methought, knave, when I watched thee striking on the bridge, The savour of thy kitchen came upon me a little faintlier. But the wind hath changed. I sent it twentyfold. And then she sang, O morning star! Not that tall felon there, whom thou by sorcery or unhappiness, Or some device hast foully o'erthrown. O morning star, that smilest in the blue, O star, my morning dream hath proven true. Smile sweetly thou, my love hath smiled on me. But thou, begone, take counsel and away, For hard by here is one that guards a ford, The second brother in their fool's parable, Will pay thee all thy wages and to boot. Care not for shame, thou art not knight, but knave. To whom Sir Gareth answered laughingly, Parables? Hear a parable of the knave. When I was kitchen knave among the rest, fierce was the hearth, and one of my co-mates owned a rough dog, to whom he cast his coat. Guard it. And there was none to meddle with it. And such a coat art thou. And thee the king gave me to guard. And such a dog am I, to worry and not to flee. And knight or knave, The knave that doth thee service as full knight Is all as good, meseems, as any knight toward thy sister's freeing. Ay, sir knave, I knave, because thou strikest as a knight, Being but knave, I hate thee all the more. Fair damsel, you should worship me the more, That being but knave, I throw thine enemies. Ay, ay, she said, but thou shalt meet thy match. So when they touched the second river-loop, huge on a huge red horse, and all in mail burnished to blinding, shone the noonday sun beyond a raging shallow. As if the flower that blows a globe of after arrowlets ten thousandfold had grown, flashed the fierce shield, all sun. And Garrett's eyes had flying blots before them when he turned from watching him, he from beyond the roaring shallow roared What dost thou, brother, in my marches here? And she athwart the shallow shrilled again, Here is a kitchen nay from Arthur's hall, hath overthrown thy brother, and hath his arms. Ugh cried the sun, and visoring up a red and cipher face of rounded foolishness, pushed horse across the foamings of the ford, whom Gareth met midstream. No room was there for lance or tourney-skill. Four strokes they struck with sword, and these were mighty. The new knight had fear he might be shamed, but as the sun heaved up a ponderous arm to strike the fifth, the hoof of his horse slipped in the stream, the stream descended, and the sun was washed away. Then Gareth laid his lance athwart the ford, so drew him home. But he that fought no more, as being all bone-battered on the rock, yielded, and Gareth sent him to the king. Myself, when I return, will plead for thee. Lead and I follow." Quietly she led. Hath not the good wind damsel changed again? Nay, not a point, nor art thou victor here. There lies a ridge of slate across the ford, his horse thereon stumbled. I. For I saw it. O sun, not this strong fool whom thou, Sir Knave, hath overthrown through mere unhappiness. O sun that wakenest all to bliss or pain. O moon that layest all to sleep again. Shine sweetly. Twice my love hath smiled on me. What knowest thou of love-song or of love? Nay, nay, God wot. So thou wert nobly born, Thou hast a pleasant presence. Yea, perchance! O dewy flowers that open to the sun, O dewy flowers that close when day is done, Blow sweetly! Twice my love hath smiled on me. What knowest thou of flowers, Except belike to garnish meats with? Hath not our good King, who lent me thee, The flower of kitchendom, a foolish love for flowers? What stick ye round the pasty? Wherewithal deck the boar's head? Flowers? Nay, the boar hath rosemary's and bay. O birds that warble to the morning sky, O birds that warble as the day goes by, Sing sweetly. Twice my love hath smiled on me. What knowest thou of birds? Lark, Mavis, Merle, Linnet? What dream ye when they utter forth may music Growing with the growing light, their sweet sun worship? These be for the snare, so runs thy fancy, These be for the spit, larding and basting. See thou have not now larded thy last, Except thou turn and fly. There stands the third fool of their allegory. For there beyond a bridge of treble bough, all in a rose red from the west and all naked it seemed and glowing in the broad deep dimpled current underneath the knight that named himself the star of evening stood and gareth wherefore waits the madman there naked in open dayshine? nay she cried not naked only wrapped in hardened skins that fit him like his own And so ye cleave his armour off him, These will turn the blade. Then the third brother shouted o'er the bridge, O brother star, why shine ye here so low? Thy ward is higher up, But have ye slain the damsel's champion? And the damsel cried, No star of thine, But shot from Arthur's heaven With all disaster unto thine and thee for both thy younger brethren have gone down before this youth and so wilt thou sir star art thou not old old damsel old and hard old with the might and breath of twenty boys said gareth old and overbold in brag but that same strength which threw the morning star can throw the evening Then that other blew a hard and deadly note upon the horn. Approach, and arm me. With slow steps from out an old storm beaten, russet, many-stained pavilion, forth a grizzled damsel came, and armed him in old arms, and brought a helm with but a drying evergreen for crest, and gave a shield whereon the star of even, half-tarnished and half-bright, his emblem shone. But when it glittered o'er the saddle-bow, they madly hurled together on the bridge. And Gareth overthrew him, lighted, drew, there met him drawn and overthrew him again. But up like fire he started, and as oft as Gareth brought him grovelling on his knees, so many a time he vaulted up again, till Gareth panted hard, and his great heart, foredooming all his trouble was in vain, laboured within him. For he seemed as one that all in later, sadder age begins to war against ill-uses of a life. But these from all his life arise and cry, Thou hast made us lords and cannot put us down. He half despairs. So Gareth seemed to strike vainly, the damsel clamouring all the while. Well done, knave-knight, well stricken, O good knave-knight! O knave as noble as any of all the knights, shame me not, shame me not! I have prophesied—strike, thou art worthy of the table round! His arms are old, he trusts the hardened skin—strike, strike, strike, the wind will never change again!" And Gareth, hearing ever stronglier, smote, and hewed great pieces of his armour off him, but lashed in vain against the hardened skin, and could not wholly bring him under. More than loud south-westerns rolling ridge on ridge The buoy that rides at sea, and dips and springs for ever. Till at length Sir Gareth's brand clashed his, And break it utterly to the hilt. I have thee now. But forth that other sprang, and all unknightlike Writhed his wiry arms around him, till he fell, Despite his mail, strangled, but straining even his uttermost cast, and so hurled him headlong o'er the bridge down to the river, sink or swim, and cried, Lead, and I follow. But the damsel said, I lead no longer. Ride thou at my side. Thou art the kingliest of all kitchen-knaves. O trefoil, sparkling on the rainy plain, O rainbow with three colours after rain, shine sweetly. Thrice my love hath smiled on me. Sir, and good faith I fain had added, Knight, but that I heard thee call thyself a knave, Shamed am I that I so rebuked, reviled, missaid thee. Noble I am, and thought the king scorned me and mine. And now thy pardon, friend, For thou hast ever answered courteously, And wholly bold thou art, And meek withal as any of Arthur's best. But being knave, hath mazed my wit, I marvel what thou art. Damsel, he said, you be not all to blame, Saving that you mistrusted our good king, Would handle scorn or yield you Asking one not fit to cope your quest. You said your say, mine answer was my deed. Good sooth, I hold he scarce his knight, yea, but half man, nor meet to fight for gentle damsel, he who lets his heart be stirred with any foolish heat at any gentle damsel's waywardness. Shamed, care not, thy foul sayings fought for me, and seeing now thy words are fair, methinks there rides no knight, not Lancelot, his great self, hath force to quell me. Nigh upon that hour when the lone hern forgets his melancholy, lets down his other leg, and stretching dreams of goodly supper in the distant pool, then turned the noble damsel smiling at him, and told him of a cavern hard at hand, where bread and bacon meats and good red wine of Southland, which the Lady Leonor had sent her coming champion, waited him. Anon they passed a narrow comb wherein were slabs of rock with figures, knights on horse, sculptured, and decked in slowly waning hues. Sir Knave, my knight, a hermit once was here, whose holy hand hath fashioned on the rock the war of time against the soul of man, and yon four fools have sucked their allegory from these damp walls, and taken but the form. Know ye not these? and Gareth looked and read, in letters like to those the vexillary hath left crag-carven o'er the streaming gelt, Phosphorus, then Merides, Hesperus, Nox, moors, Beneath five figures, armed men, slab after slab, their faces forward all and running down the sole, a shape that fled with broken wings, torn raiment and loose hair, for help and shelter to the hermit's cave. Follow the faces and we find it. Look, who comes behind? For one, delayed at first through helping back the dislocated Kay to Camelot, then by what thereafter chanced the damsels headlong error through the wood, Sir Lancelot, having swum the river loops his blue shield-lions covered, softly drew behind the twain, and when he saw the star gleam on Sir Gareth's turning to him, cried, Stay, felon knight, I avenge me for my friend. And Gareth crying pricked against the cry, but when they closed, in a moment, at one touch of that skilled spear, the wonder of the world, went sliding down so easily and fell, that when he found the grass within his hands he laughed. The laughter jarred upon Lynette. Harshly she asked him, shamed and overthrown, and tumbled back into the kitchen-knave, why laugh ye, that ye blew your boast in vain. Nay, noble damsel, but that I, the son of old King Lot and good Queen Bellicent, and victor of the bridges and the ford and knight of Arthur, here lie thrown by whom I know not, all through mere unhappiness, device and sorcery and unhappiness out, sword, we are thrown. And Lancelot answered, Prince, O Gareth, through the mere unhappiness of one who came to help thee, not to harm, Lancelot and all is glad to find thee whole as on the day when Arthur knighted him. Then Gareth, Thou, Lancelot, thine the hand that threw me. And some chance to mar the boast thy brethren of thee make, which could not chance, had sent thee down before a lesser spear, shamed had I been, and sad. O Lancelot, thou! Whereat the maiden, petulant, Lancelot, why came ye not when called? And wherefore now come ye not called? I gloried in my knave, who being still rebuked, would answer still courteous as any knight. But now, if night, the marvel dies, and leaves me fooled and tricked, and only wondering wherefore played upon, and doubtful whether I and mine be scorn, where should be truth if not in Arthur's hall, in Arthur's presence? Knight, knave, prince and fool, I hate thee for ever and ever.' And Lancelot said, "'Blessed be thou, Sir Gareth, knight art thou to the king's best wish. O damsel, be you wise to call him shamed who is but overthrown. Thrown have I been, nor once, but many a time. Victor from vanquished issues at the last, and overthrower from being overthrown. With sword we have not striven, and thy good horse and thou are weary. Yet not less I felt thy manhood through that wearied lance of thine. Well hast thou done. FOR ALL THE STREAM IS FREED, AND THOU HAST WRECKED HIS JUSTICE ON HIS FOES, AND WHEN REVILED HAST ANSWERED GRACIOUSLY, AND MAKEST MERRY WHEN OVERTHROWN. PRINCE, KNIGHT, HAIL, KNIGHT AND PRINCE, AND OF OUR TABLE ROUND. And when, turning to Lynette, he told the tale of Gareth, petulantly she said, Ay, well, ay, well, for worse than being fooled of others is to fool one's self. A cave, Sir Lancelot, is hard by with meats and drinks and forage for the horse and flint for fire, but all about it flies a honeysuckle. Seek till we find. And when they sought and found, Sir Gareth drank and ate, and all his life passed into sleep, on whom the maiden gazed. Sound sleep be thine, sound cause to sleep hast thou. Wake, lusty! Seem I not as tender to him as any mother. I but such a one as all day long hath rated at her child, And vexed his day, but blesses him asleep. Good Lord, how sweetly smells the honeysuckle in the hushed night, As if the world were one of utter peace and love and gentleness. O oh, Lancelot, Lancelot! And she clapped her hands. Full merry am I to find my goodly knave is knight and noble see now sworn have i else yon black felon had not let me pass to bring thee back to do the battle with him thus an thou goest he will fight thee first who doubts thee victor so will my knight knave miss the full flower of this accomplishment said lancelot peradventure he you name may know my shield let gareth and he will change his for mine and take my charger fresh not to be spurred, loving the battle as well as he that rides him. Lancelot-like, she said, courteous in this, Lord Lancelot, as in all. And Gareth, wakening, fiercely clutched the shield. Ramp ye, lance-splintering lions, on whom all spears are rotten sticks! Ye seem agape to roar! Yea, ramp and roar at leaving of your lord! Care not, good beasts, so well I care for you. O noble Lancelot, from my hold on these streams virtue, fire, through one that will not shame even the shadow of Lancelot under shield. Hence, let us go. Silent the silent field they traversed. Arthur's harp, though summer wan, in counter-motion to the clouds, allured the glance of Gareth, dreaming on his liege. A star shot. Lo, said Gareth, the foe falls. An owl whooped. Hark, the victor pealing there. Suddenly she that rode upon his left clung to the shield that Lancelot lent him, crying, Yield, yield him this again, tis he must fight. I curse the tongue that all through yesterday reviled thee, and hath wrought on Lancelot now to lend thee horse and shield. Wonders ye have done, miracles ye cannot. Here is glory enow in having flung the three. I see thee maimed, mangled, I swear thou canst not fling the fourth. And wherefore, damsel, tell me all ye know. You cannot scare me, nor rough face or voice, brute bulk of limb, or boundless savagery appall me from the quest. Nay, prince," she cried, God wot, I never looked upon the face, seeing he never rides abroad by day. But watched him have I like a phantom pass, chilling the night, nor have I heard the voice. Always he made his mouthpiece of a page who came and went, and still reported him as closing in himself the strength of ten. And when his anger tear him, massacring man, woman, lad and girl, yea, the soft babe, some hold that he hath swallowed infant flesh. monster. O Prince, I went for Lancelot first, the quest is Lancelot's, give him back the shield!" said Gareth, laughing. And he fight for this, belike he wins it as the better man, thus and not else. But Lancelot on him urged all the devisings of their chivalry, when one might meet a mightier than himself. How best to manage horse, lance, sword and shield, and so fill up the gap where force might fail with skill and fineness! instant were his words then gareth here be rules i know but one to dash against mine enemy and win yet have i seen thee victor in the joust and seen thy way heaven help thee sighed Lynette. then for a space and under cloud that grew to thunder gloom palling all stars they rode in converse till she made her palfrey halt lifted an arm and softly whispered, "'There!' And all the three were silent, seeing, pitched beside the castle perilous on flat field, a huge pavilion like a mountain peak, sunder the glooming crimson on the marge, black, with black banner, and a long black horn beside it hanging, which Sir Gareth grasped, and so before the two could hinder him, sent all his heart and breath through all the horn. Echoed the walls. A light twinkled, anon came lights and lights, and once again he blew, whereon were hollow tramplings up and down and muffled voices heard and shadows passed, till high above him, circled with her maids, the Lady Leonore at a window stood, beautiful among lights, and waving to him white hands and courtesy. But when the prince three times had blown, after long hush, at last the huge pavilion slowly yielded up through those black foldings, that which housed therein. High on a night-black horse, in night-black arms, with white breastbone, and barren ribs of death, and crowned with fleshless laughter, some ten steps in the half-light, through the dim dawn, advanced the monster, and then paused, and spake no word. But Gareth spake, and all indignantly. Fool! for thou hast, men say, the strength of ten. Canst thou not trust the limbs thy god hath given? But must, to make the terror of thee more, Trick thyself out in ghastly imageries Of that which life hath done with, And the clod, less dull than thou, Will hide with mantling flowers, as if for pity? But he spake no word. Which set the horror higher? A maiden swooned, The Lady Leonore wrung her hands and wept, as doomed to be the bride of night and death. Sir Gareth's head prickled beneath his helm, and even Sir Lancelot through his warm blood felt ice strike, and all that marked him were aghast. At once Sir Lancelot's charger fiercely neighed, and death's dark war-horse bounded forward with him. Then those that did not blink the terror Saw that death was cast to ground And slowly rose. But with one stroke Sir Gareth split the skull. Half fell to right and half to left and lay. Then with a stronger buffet He clove the helm as throughly as the skull, And out from this issued the bright face Of a blooming boy, fresh as a flower new born, And crying, Knight, slay me not. My three brethren bade me do it, to make a whore all about the house and stay the world from Lady Leonore. They never dreamed the passes would be passed. Answered Sir Gareth graciously to one not many a moon his younger, My fair child, what madness made thee challenge the chief knight of Arthur's hall? Fair sir, they bade me do it. They hate the king, and Lancelot the king's friend, THEY HOPED TO SLAY HIM SOMEWHERE ON THE STREAM, THEY NEVER DREAMED THE PASSES COULD BE PASSED. THEN SPRANG THE HAPPIER DAY FROM UNDERGROUND, AND LADY LEONORE AND HER HOUSE, WITH DANCE AND REVEL AND SONG, MADE MERRY OVER DEATH, AS BEING AFTER ALL THEIR FOOLISH FEARS AND HORRORS ONLY PROVEN A BLOOMING BOY. SO LARGE MIRTH LIVED, AND GARETH WON THE QUEST. And he that told the tale in older times says that Sir Gareth wedded Leonor, but he that told it later says Lynette, End of section three.